Uh, we started a new series this week. We're calling it Prodigal. And this, this is a pretty famous verse. So if you spend any time in the church or you were in my community group this last Wednesday, we actually talked about these verses. We'll be in Luke chapter 15 over the next couple of weeks as we look at the three main characters of this story. Um, we have the younger son, which we call the prodigal son. We have the older son, and we have the father. And over the next few weeks, we're going to kind of dissect and dive into the story of, of each of those characters. What are those characteristics that we can pull out of it? Um, that one, we can apply to ourselves. Two, we can try to live out in a way that God has called us to. But let's dive in to the verses here. And I'm going to read them in our entirety so we have just a good understanding of the story here, just in case. But it's Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 11. The verses should be on the screen. <clears throat> Uh, he also said, and this is Jesus telling this parable. This is a story he's just telling. A man had two sons. The younger son of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate and I have come, uh, that I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son uh, gathered all together all that he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then, when uh, he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him uh, to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to eat uh, his fill of the pods the pigs were eating, but no one uh, would give him anything. Verse 17. When, the, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food. And here I am, dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father's house, and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I, no long, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like the one of your hired workers. So he got up, he went to his father, and while, he was, while the son was still a long ways off, his father saw him, and filled with compassion, he ran through his arms around his neck, and he kissed him. This is my son, the father. I have sinned. He, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robes. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. Let's celebrate with a feast. Because the son of mine that was dead is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. Let's begin to celebrate. What a beautiful story um, we find here. Beautiful story of God's love for us, a beautiful story of redemption. And this story continues, and we'll cover those verses in the next couple of weeks. But um, as we look at this story, and we look at specifically the son, for, for at least for me, I, I, don't, I don't resonate with the son. Like when the son's story is told, I'm like I didn't, I didn't really have a wayward experience where I ran from God in, in drastic ways. Like I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I had God-fearing parents that raised us well. I gave my life to Jesus going into seventh grade. I, I took ownership of my faith going into my senior in high school. I was in paid ministry, not greatly paid, but paid ministry <laughs> by the age of 19. And there were seasons of doubt, seasons of wondering, but there wasn't really seasons where I ran from God. So when I, I looked at these, these, these story and I looked at this character, I said, I don't, I don't know where I fit. But when I started to dig in and just looked at the characteristics, what are the characteristics of the younger son that led him to that place? 
And how do those characteristics interact with the father and interact eventually with the older brother when he's brought into the story? And here's the two characteristics that, that kind of hit me the hardest. And these are two characteristics I can relate to. And I can relate to the younger son. Whether I had this, this experience where I ran from God or I didn't have that experience where I ran from God. I can, I, I can relate to these. So here's your first characteristic if you're taking notes. First characteristic is this. It's selfishness. Selfishness. So you look back at verse 11. He also said, this is Jesus again talking, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, give, Father, give me the share of the estate that I have coming to me. And the father did. And then the son took that and squandered it. See, this, there's this selfishness piece inside of here that, that it's me first. Right? Me first mentality. This is what the younger, this is what the younger brother did. And I can, I, can, I can relate to that. Me first mentality all the time. I'm good at putting me first. I'm good at choosing not to sacrifice. I'm good at, at putting what I want before others and before God. Because here he is essentially telling his father, hey, hey, dad, I'd rather you be dead and for me to have what's coming to me now. It's a pretty selfish statement. And if we were all honest enough with ourselves, we, we would see that. How often do we put our wants and our ways and our desires before God's? So here's God's plan over here, but this is how I want to live my life. We treat God like an add-on to our lives, right? That God, I know like, I should go to church and I should pray sometimes and I, I know they're here Bible and I should read it and all these things and I, I put them over here, but God, that's, that's your stuff. This is my stuff. This is my life. Like sometimes we'll cross paths, but like stay out of my life. Don't tell me how to live this. Don't try to protect me. I don't need your protection. I just need you to bless me when I need to be blessed and I need you to help me when I need to be helped. But this is my life. Don't touch my life. Don't make me uncomfortable. Don't, don't push me out of my, my comfort zone where I have to do things that, that I don't want to do. You stay as an add-on. Don't define my life. Now, I don't know about you, but that, I relate to that idea. I put God as an add-on all the time. He's just a, hey, God, I'm in trouble and I need your help. Hey, God, I, I got this thing going on and I'm stressed about it. Take that stress away but don't tell me how to live it. Don't, have any, don't tell me how to do anything else than that. See, it's not the foolish living that was the big issue here. That was just a byproduct of what was really going on. What was really going on is the son said, I'm done with you, Father. I want to do it my way. My way is better than your way. And we ran. And if we're all honest, we all have that story. There's, all been, there's been seasons for all of us where we just ran. And don't get me wrong, we're pretty good at justifying it. We're pretty good at giving the reasons why it should be this way. And that God is probably cool with it. But in reality, Jesus went to the cross because He wanted a relationship. He knows the destruction that is selfishness. He wants to grab of our hearts and, and bring us close to Him. He wants, us to be the, he wants to be the place for us, the place we always are sitting and always going. 
that it's the place we start our day and it's the place we end our day and it's the place we come back to throughout the day. That it's with Jesus. That it's inside relationship. First characteristic is selfishness. If we're really honest with ourselves, I think we can all agree. We're pretty selfish people. Let's keep going in verse 14. After he had spent everything, squandered it all away, severe famine struck the land and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. And he longed to eat his fill from the pods of the pigs that were eating, but no one would give him anything. The further away we run from God, the more isolated we'll become. And we look, at, we look at this story, we look at the younger son here and how far it went. I assume he probably had a pretty good time. He had an inheritance to spend. But unfortunately, it was short-lived. And he got to the end of himself and he said, I've got nothing. Look at all that I've done. Look at all that I've committed. Look at all the harm that I have. And as he sat there in that pig pen, he looked around and said, where is everybody? He isolated himself from his community, and he isolated himself from God. He said, my way is better than your way, and I don't need you. And when you get to the end of yourself, as we live a life that way, we all realize that I'm not enough. That I need something more. I need Jesus. I need godly community around me. But this is where the enemy attacks. When he gets you separated, he starts to attack with shame. He starts to say, you know what you're thinking? That you're not good enough. That God doesn't love you. That's true. Look what you've done. Did you see what you did to that person? You spit in your father's face as you walked away. Like, why would he ever want you back? And these lies start, start whispering into our head, and eventually these lies become truths that we start to believe. And shame starts to take over. And I say, I'm not enough. I don't deserve. God could never love me again. I'm done, and I'm over, and I'm just going to give up. Shame. But that isn't the story, right? We read the story. We know how the story ends. It's the beauty of what Jesus did on the cross. Paul said it this way in Romans 5.10. He said, For if, while we were enemies, meaning direct violation, fighting against the, the, the work of God, while we were enemies, we were, reconcil we were reconciled to God through death of His Son. How much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Let me say it a different way for you. While we were enemies, God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die in your place. How much more, having been already reconciled to God, will we, have, will we be able to experience his grace? Like, this is the beauty of the story. And maybe we're sitting here and like, I'm, I'm selfish, I get it. Or we're sitting here saying, shame, shame's got a hold of me. 
that I've got to clean myself up. I've got to do all the right things. I've got to get perfect so I can present myself to God. That's shame talking. Because if we really understood the love that God has for us, just like the love he has for his child, the father has for his child here, we would understand that no matter the condition we're in, we run to God. We run back to the father. Look at this story again. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to the father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and he went to the father. Here we go. But while the son was still a long ways off, the father was just waiting, checking the road every day. Never lost hope, but let us make our own decisions and have our own will. But while the son was a long way way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, he threw his arms around his neck, he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight I'm not worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servant, quick, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. We are going to celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and now he's alive. He was found He was lost, and now he is found. So let's begin to celebrate. That's the love of God. doesn't ask you to clean yourself up. He asks you to come back to him. He said, this is my son who was lost, and now he is found. He didn't say, son, get out there and do some chores. Get out there and, and take care of all this junk before I let you back into my home. No, this was a compassionate father that desperately missed his son. And God is a compassionate father that loves us immeasurably. Saying, this is my son. This is my daughter. And man, do I love him. I think so often, us as believers, we miss it. Like, we get it up here. Of course God loves me. God's love. That's what God does. But until it it makes it to the depths of our souls, until we embody it from a perspective of the grace of God is greater than anything I could ever do. The sacrifice of Jesus is greater than anything I could ever do. So I'm going to run back to the Father. I'm going to run back to that immeasurable love. But we, we, we let that sit inside of us. We really start to believe, man, my, my daddy loves me. No matter what I do, it doesn't change his love for me. It's like this. If you're, if you're, not that we have a ton of parents, but picture us you being parents. We have soon-to-be parents and parents with kids out of the house. 
but with your kid. If your kid goes and cleans his room and does all his chores and comes to you and says, Dad, Mom, do you love me? Look at all that I've did. You're like, what? Sure, but like, you don't have to do any of those things to love me, for me to love you. Or you get to that place where it's, maybe it's offensive. Like, how dare you think that my love is dictated by what you do for me? You're my son. You're my daughter. Of course I love you. Nothing's going to change that. This is that love that God has for us. But until it gets from here to here, we function like God's an add-on. The big, bad, you know, bully guy that's ready to just pounce when we've done too many wrong things. And he said, no, 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 that's not why I sent my son Jesus to the cross. I sent my son Jesus to the cross so we can be connected again. Regardless of what you've done, I still love you. I want to be in relationship with you. These are the things, this is the thing that fights against our selfishness and fights against our shame. Jesus says in John 15, uh, he's talking about being connected to the vine. He said, if you remain in me and I in you. But he ends that whole thing, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And for so long throughout my life, I assumed I have to do all the good things and right things so to show God that I love him. But if I choose to dig into relationship with him, and I choose to walk in the midst of that immeasurable love with him, no, the byproduct is I keep his commands. As I sit in relationship with him and I watch Jesus change my heart and, and my mind as I'm, as I'm praying through different things and we're talking through the, the different aspects of my life, no, 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 out of that, as a byproduct, I keep his commands. Doing it the opposite way is just going to lead to exhaustion, it's just going to lead to a bunch of tired Christians. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is where we find hope. We walk in relationship with Jesus, regardless of our past, regardless of our present, regardless of our future. We always make a beeline back to Jesus. And we sit in the midst of that relationship as an active participant. We start to see our lives transform and change. We start to think, see things get lighter and easier. Not that the circumstances changed, but Jesus changed inside of me so I can handle them in a different way. And I could be a hope to this generation. I could be a hope to our community. I could be a hope to my neighbors. I could be a hope to my, my coworkers. I could be a hope to my friends. This is the culture we're trying to build at Hill City. Can I pray for us? Father God, God, I thank you. I thank you for that love. God, I thank you that no matter our past, no matter our present, God, you're not asking us to clean ourselves up. You're asking us to come back to you. God, that when we sin, the first thing we should do is run back to you, the good Father. God, let your love for us, God, just let it penetrate our hearts, penetrate our souls. God, let it just take care, take, take a place in our entire being that you want to be with us. That as we're, we're running, as we're trying, we're choosing selfishness, as we're choosing to do it our way rather than your way, 
God, remind us that you're just standing there waiting, that you haven't got anywhere. You're just waiting for us to come home. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are that God. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you, Father God, for taking us in. We love you. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.